0: Lonely Monk Productions I don't know if y'all have heard Expert in a Dying Field by the Beths yet, but yo! That's my joy! joy. Hey yo, displace the What's good, friends and family, neighbors near and far? Welcome to an all-new episode of the Yo, That's My John podcast. The podcast, website, brand movement, way of life, dedicated to the embrace and championing of your passions. I am your host Nate Runkle, a.k.a. Patrick Nateman, a.k.a. the guy who routinely says, oh man, I love them, about a band he has never once heard of, just to avoid the part of the conversation where you go, who what? How have you never heard of them? You're the music guy, and you don't know Captain lick stick and the Fun Dip Twins? Who? Wow. I- I am shocked, a.k.a. Darth Nader, a.k.a. Nate 3.0, back at it again with yet another episode of the podcast. As always, I hope this podcast finds you all in good health and in good spirits. On today's episode, I am joined by Caroline Weinroth of Cinema Hearts to talk about her new EP, Your Ideal, and her life in both music and pageants. She is just an absolutely fascinating individual, and I am excited to share our conversation with you here in a bit. But first, let's make sure you are all following us on all of the socials at Yo That's My John. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of that. At Yo, That's My John. And check out the website, www.yothatsmyjohn.com for articles, links to all of the previous episodes of the podcast, and the best part, merchandise. You love merchandise, so go get you some. And while you're there, make sure you get yourself on the mailing list so that you can receive all of the updates about the Yo, That's My John universe of fun straight into your inbox. You dig? How we all live in gang well it's just about time for little Pete and Artie the strongest man in the world to head down to the beach and try to beat up the ocean a no prize to anyone who gets that reference yes my friends summer is all but a goner and i hope you spend it well but to me that's no reason for sadness No, our old pal Fall is knocking at the door, and I am ready to welcome him, her, them, with open arms. I love the fall. I'm a guy who likes to rock hoodies and blazers, so fall living is in uh, my blood. Yeah, and look, I haven't been in school now for, I guess, more years than I was actually in it. But September will always fill me with a sense of a new beginning, as much as, or quite possibly more so than, the turn of the new year. It's the turn of a page to start a new chapter. And what kicks that off? Well, I'm 45 years old, and I probably haven't watched the channel in decades. But the MTV Music Video Awards, to me, is always the harbinger of fall. Yes, the VMAs air tonight as I record this the night before the episode is released. Will I watch it? No. Do I know anybody that's nominated? I'm going to say probably not. But that it still exists... Well, that just makes me feel good inside. You know, MTV was so insanely important to my musical upbringing. Shows like Yo! MTV Raps and 120 Minutes, Alternative Nation, those kind of things, they helped me discover artists that I probably never would have come across if not for their inclusion on these shows. The first time I ever heard my former guest Spy Mob was not as the backing band for Pharrell and N.E.R.D., but in a You Hear It First piece on MTV. I found the monkeys through MTV when they re-aired them in 86. Hell, the production company that I started that releases this very podcast, Lonely Monk Productions. Well, that's a reference to an interview that Tabitha Soren did with Bill Clinton for MTV News. When she asked him who his favorite musician was, Slick Willy replied, Thelonious Monk. And our ace music reporter Tabitha Soren replied... Who is the loneliest monk? Yeah, oh yeah, MTV is baked into my DNA. You know, someone shared a screenshot of the MTV schedule for this week that ends on Sunday with the VMAs, and it was literally just full days of ridiculousness and catfish the series repeats. And guys, no disrespect to Robin Nev, but that really bums me out. I don't blame MTV, though. If there was money to be made in showing music videos, well, they'd still be showing music videos. But we got YouTube for that now, and an algorithm that'll go, oh, you like that? Well, then you'll also like this. And why don't you check this out and maybe some of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this. And that goes on repeat until you realize, oh, holy crap. I just got stuck in this YouTube rabbit hole for two hours. And all I wanted to listen to was Lou Bega's Mambo number five. (laughs) The only algorithm that MTV has ever had. Let's just say it. It was Matt Pinfield, which finally brings me to my point and why I mention any of this at all. Okay, so you remember when John Henry went up against that steam-powered rock drilling machine? Well, I want to put Matt Pinfield up against YouTube's algorithm. Because dollars to donuts, I bet Pinfield would come out the victor. I have no doubts in my mind that Matt Pinfield's brain holds more data points in it than any network of computers could ever imagine. So let's make this happen. A little man versus machine. And if, nay, when Matt Pinfield wins, MTV gets to go back to playing music videos and YouTube can stick to empowering the alt-right. What do you say? Is it a deal? We're going to take a short ad break, but then when we come back, we got my interview with Caroline Weinroth. My guest today is a former Miss Virginia contender who had dreams of playing electric guitar on the stage of the Miss America pageant. While that dream was never fully realized, it presented her with an opportunity to advocate for music programming and to inspire young women. That experience in pageantry is chronicled beautifully on her new EP, Your Ideal. Produced by Bartee Strange, the five-song EP is filled with songs and lyrics about the loneliness, frustration, and cutthroat drive it took to win and then lose on the glitzy pageant stage. Delivered over a bed of haunting harmonies, searing electric guitars, and dreamy synthesizers, your ideal is a scintillating collection of power-pop perfection. Folks, it is my honor to welcome to the show Caroline Weinroth of Cinema Hearts. gentlemen i am joined today by the great caroline weinroth aka cinema hearts thank (laughs) you for joining me caroline thanks for having me so um i uh, you know we were just very briefly talking but I, i've been uh in, in digesting a steady diet of the your idea uh, your ideal ep um pre-release <laughs> it, it, for for those listening it just came out august 19th but one of the perks of being a, a a brilliant podcaster such as myself i was able to get an advanced copy so i've been living with this uh ep for for quite some time now and um it is absolutely phenomenal so i'm very Thank excited you. to have this conversation thanks so much so um tell everybody a little bit about yourself well where did you grow up
1: sure so i'm in the washington dc area and i grew up around the city here um i sing and play guitar in my band cinema hearts and your ideal is the first professional record that i've put out and it's been a long time coming so i'm very excited that now it's like out in the world and i get to share it with people
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So when you were a little kid and you were like growing up, what were your, what were your, what kind of music was around the house? What were your parents listening to?
1: Uh, So my mom was a piano teacher. So I grew up listening to like a lot of classical piano, Okay, (laughs) Uh, which is kind of funny. And then, uh, gosh, I feel like I didn't really get into the music that I liked until I was much older, um, until probably like college. Okay. But like growing up as a kid, I list I loved show tunes because I, I did theater um when I was in high school and middle school. So like I was like joking to a friend yesterday about how much I love like the revival of Oklahoma and how it has like country instruments on the arrangements now.
0: That's awesome. That um, was um that was the very one of the very first musicals I was in. I was in music oh, yeah? as a kid. And oh, that was so you one get it. First, you get it. I do get it. That's I I'm a big that's I have a big soft spot for Rodgers uh, Rogers and Hammerstein. <laughs>
1: Um, same. All right. Then we're on, we're on the same plane.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, um, your mom was a piano teacher. Were yeah. you, were you kind of playing piano at, the, at a very yeah. early age?
1: So I played piano from, well, I took lessons from five to 13 and then I stopped. And actually, ironically, now I'm a piano teacher. <laughs> Never oh, thought that would happen. But, um, sorry, my cat wants to come up and say hi.
0: Hold oh, on. bring it, bring her, bring him, She's, her. This is Ember. She's oh. very
1: fussy right now. But, um, I, I was more drawn to guitar when I was songwriting at first, but with this record, this is the first time I used synthesizer um, in my production. And wow, those piano skills came in handy. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I was the person in the studio who like knew how to play. And I was like, all right, I guess I really got to like dig into the recesses of my brain. And remember like different chord progressions and like how to move across the keyboard. So that was really cool. And it was really inspiring to get me back into that mode of playing. I have yet to really write a song on keyboard since I've mostly been guitar based, but that might, that might come out.
0: Okay. When, when did, uh, when did songwriting start for you?
1: Uh, when I was 18, so okay, older, cause I just didn't know that you yeah. could write songs.
0: Did um, you, did you start on guitar or on piano?
1: Yeah, no, on guitar. Yeah. yeah. So I started playing guitar at eighteen and I might have been writing my song at like nineteen. Um, but it was around that age. So like the summer after high school before I was in college. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh where did you go to college?
1: I went to George Mason University.
0: Oh, all right. Uh yeah. major?
1: I was a theater major.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, so that all makes sense then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, I've always been all performative. Okay, very nice. Um, Did you do like shows and stuff like that in uh, high school? No,
1: in high school, yes, Uh, I did like different musicals and the plays. In college, no, I was not cast in anything, and that was one motivation for me to pivot and then start a band. Um, I realized, like, as much as I loved being on stage, I didn't really like performing parts that weren't me. Okay, Um, which obviously, if you're an actor, you have to be willing to like let go of yourself and become a character. And I didn't really want to. I kind of wanted to like heighten my own self and my own personality and persona. Um, so that's when I started Cinema Hearts. And I've always had like a flair for the dramatic, a flair for the theatrical. Um, and it's really cool that now I can kind of do it like as both actor and director without having to rely on someone to cast me
0: yeah definitely definitely um so like uh when w- those early days like 19 mm-hmm. and stuff like that um w- w- was your songwriting similar or was it
1: uh i mean i would say yes in the sense that like i was very inspired by like like kind of like if we talk about Roger and hammerstein like the romance of that type of songwriting i was really into like the simple pop chord progressions of like 60s pop songs. But I think that the difference between those early songs and then what I'm doing now is the production. Like I've just been able to explore more with collaborating with different people and having more like instrument textures, like not only just electric guitar, but also what if we add acoustic guitar? What if we add synthesizer? What if we add different types of like vocal styles and being able to like flesh out a song that way. Um, but it's kind of neat. I was, I was like reflecting on my early music, uh, when on your ideal was coming out and I was just kind of thinking like, wow, like I can see the trajectory. Like I can see how this is all written by the same perspective, but how it's also just grown and become more like specific.
0: Yeah. Lee, um, so what the, were you immediately playing out when you started writing or were you kind of, yeah,
1: I mean, I was big on open mic nights.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I, I really believe in open mic nights and I love the community that comes about it. When I was in college, I hosted an open mic every week. And I think it's just such a fun way to be able to try out new material or to show off a song that is your favorite.
0: Definitely. I, uh, you, I am a fellow former open mic host, mm-hmm. like, uh, and, and that was like, uh, that was really how I found my stage persona and, mm-hmm. and, and my personality, like my on stage personality was, you know, just week in, week out playing in, in between acts and stuff like that. And, and also like watching other people grow and then realizing my own growth through watching right. them. Absolutely. You know?
1: And it's just um, so cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you ever um, have anybody else in those open mics uh, that anybody might know? Like, did anybody come passing through that?
1: Uh, 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 the famous people? Yeah. I um, know. Cause it was like, it was more like of a college campus vibe. I mean, like a lot of my closest friends um, who are also musicians were also performing at this open mic. Um, and I think that's just like the neat thing about it. It's like, they all grounded me and they've been like supportive we've been supportive of each other's music and performances for years now and it like all started on like open mics
0: that's so cool yeah the uh the the open mic community is like such an awesome loving community we uh so one of the open mics i used to host we used to record every week and oh, okay. um and uh, all of all of those recordings exist and they're all on uh, a friend of mine's uh server and i keep threatening to like edit them uh, and do like mm-hmm. a, a weekly podcast that is just uh a, a, an open mic night best of from t- 10 years ago or something like that Ooh,
1: but, all right. uh, yeah 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 yeah
0: <laughs> um and and it will be so this is so stupid but the open mic night was in a bowling alley and the um, that sounds awesome and the ball, the bar in the bowling alley was called Spare Time. So I always wanted mm-hmm. to call the um, podcast the legends in their spare time. But whatever. Mm, okay, see what, That's clever. see what I'm doing there? See what yeah. I'm doing? <laughs> so, so you're performing the open mics and you're performing out and stuff like that. Um, are mostly solo or were you playing with other people at that point?
1: Uh, it was both. And even now it's still both. So what's really cool is I've had different people in my backing band, um, usually on bass and drums. And they've they've always been people who are kind of like from that same time in my life. Like we went to school together and we used to do like our music club together. We used to do open mics together. Um, but what I do like about Cinema Hearts is that it can be kind of flexible depending on the venue or the opportunity and that I can do things solo, um, which is like more of like a laid back vibe, in my opinion. And then if I do want to do things with my band, like we're there and we're in your face and it can get really fun.
0: That's awesome. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here, um, kind of daydreaming in my head as you're saying this, because now I'm like, I would love an acoustic version of this EP. Like, just, oh, really? Strip, strip it oh, all that's down. That's I kind of need and, to say. Yeah.
1: Um, so I'm i I'm sponsored by like Yamaha Acoustics. So I make videos like pretty frequently, uh, with my acoustic guitar. So there's, are some clips of those songs like on my Instagram. Okay.
0: Oh, I gotta check um, that out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's always funny to like kind of translate them to like an acoustic sound.
0: Yeah, I'm sure because you know there's there's some lush kind of production on some mm-hmm. of these songs. So that's you know it's really fascinating I'd really like to hear kind of what the skeleton what the Yeah, skeleton. it's
1: definitely like taking it down to like the songwriting basics.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, you kind of mentioned musicals and kind of the theatrics. What, what were some of your like kind of influences into mm-hmm. that, so- into that songwriting? Like, um, you know, what, mm-hmm. what was the hook for you with like 60s girl pop? You know, like what? I think for
1: me, there's this band, uh, La Sarah, um, and it had Katie Goodman from Vivian Girls, if you know that band.
0: Familiar. And, I'm not. Yeah.
1: Sure. Okay. So she had this record in 2012 called Seize the Light. And I remember I got like, this is like so long ago, I got like a free MP3 download of like the lead single off of that record. And it just like clicked for me. I was like, oh my God, this is what I want to be making. Um and I just, I was so obsessed with that record. And I later on got into like Dum Dum Girls and um my favorite band of all time is La Luz. And just kind of listening to these bands of women that were like using that 60s sound, but like in a very fresh kind of like garage rock way. And I realize like, that's just like what like speaks to me. Cause I love the, the vulnerability and the sincerity and the like melancholy of like that old, like 50s, 60s sound. But I love the energy that like the riot girl kind of like 2010s women and punk movement, like combined with it, what they like do together.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I don't I don't know if you're familiar with Grace Vanderkun, but we we had
1: Yeah.
0: Um we had her on the show um a few months ago and one of the things we were talking about was like the kind of the the you know i as a as a male guitar player i never recognized like kind of the lack of female guitar heroes you know growing up until like there was kind of an explosion and like she she referenced that like josie and the, the josie and the pussycat soundtrack was the first kind of experience she had that was like mm-hmm. oh we're also allowed to rock and that permission which is one of the things that i really appreciate about you is you have not just kind of um are going out there as like an icon. And kind of showing that, but you also kind of donate time, uh, talk a little bit about kind of that yeah. growth project
1: yeah, um I mean that's just to speak on what you said, it's so true. like you can only be what you see, and growing up, I just didn't know that women played guitar or that people started bands, like it just didn't register to me that that could start like in your basement with your friends like to me, it was just like something that was made for the radio um. And so now that I obviously know that, like, I do a lot of volunteer work with Girls Rock camps. So I've been involved with Girls Rock DC and Girls Rock Roanoke in Virginia since, gosh, since like 2016. Um, and then I also currently teach uh, people of all ages on piano, guitar, and voice. So it's been really a cool way to see how music can really, like, speak to people and also... How, like, their different perspectives on the music that they like and how it shapes their confidence and their self esteem, and just how, like, how we're talking about with open mics, how you can see the growth in performance. It's been so cool to see, like, the growth in different students I've mentored where they might have been too scared to sing on stage and then they get the courage to go do it. And that's amazing because there's so many people out there who don't have that bravery to just get up there and put themselves out there. It's and, true. Yeah, and it's so cool to be able to do it like in a space kind of like beyond myself. So that's always been a really neat thing.
0: <laughs> that's super cool. Yeah, like, you know, uh the the concept of representation is important. Like mm-hmm. and and you know, I'm I'm just really happy that like right now there seems to be like a really good boom of like strong female guitar players who are being recognized for their playing and not just for, you know, some kind of, like, tokenism or something right, like that. Right. Like, it, like I feel like the respect is starting to come around, but, like, it takes people like yourself, like, continuing to grind through all of the BS. Like, I, I'm sure you've experienced um, your share of, you know, shitty dudes in the scene and stuff like that. Like, um, I have got to uh, listen to your Fender factory song you know oh, yeah. uh, you know but that's like a, it, you know tell i'll let you tell them about it but that's a yeah. very like specific situation that i'm sure happens to a lot of female players
1: yeah so um my song fender factory it's an old song and actually um i recently re-recorded it so that's gonna be like re-released probably oh, next sweet. year yeah i'm pretty excited for that um and that song was about an experience i had where this was a long time ago, like my family and I went to the Fender Guitar Factory in California when they were open for tours. I don't think they're open for tours anymore. But used to be able to tour the actual factory where they build Fender guitars. And I was so excited because I play a Fender Jaguar. And it was my idea, like I really wanted to go. So we went out there. And it was a very small tour group. I remember it was like me and my family and then like two men and their wives. And our tour I like was so excited I like went up to the tour guide and, and I said like I'm so excited to be here like I play a Fender guitar and like this is so cool and he was just so reductive like I remember he said like whoa that's so cool like when chicks play guitar and just made it really icky and he spent the whole tour just like quizzing me on different like technical stuff about electric guitars and like that never interested me. I've never been like a gear person. Um I've just been more interested in like the artistry of playing an instrument and it was such an awful experience because it made me feel like I wasn't welcome in this space that is dedicated to guitarists. And I like cried and I wrote that whole song like in our hotel room and then my cinema hearts and I recorded it and we put a demo out on the internet. And what's really cool is someone from Fender guitars heard that song and they reached out to me and it was a woman who did, um, a and R for Fender and she was so cool. And she called me up and apologized. And we talked about like that experience and like what Fender guitars has been doing to promote all different types of players and music. Cause you know, it's not always about gender too. It's about like, accessibility and age and genre and um appearance and race and just like gender identity there's so many different factors on what it means to be a musician but it is unfortunate that like if you were to google like guitarist you're probably only get one type of person as that stock image um but that was (laughs) it's just so funny to me that like fender factory which to me it felt like kind of like a corny joke song because you know the lyrics is such a perfect rhyme like doesn't make me want to buy a Strat when you talk to me like that. And it's just been so cool that in the time that I've been performing that song live and on different recordings, it really speaks to people. And it speaks to a lot of different people because what I think is so interesting about guitar, as opposed to other instruments, is like no one's gatekeeping piano. Nobody's gatekeeping, like, you know, the trumpet or band instruments. But for some reason in guitar, it is so toxic, like even among like different male players. It's like, why have we created this instrument and this legacy that's built around like one-upping each other as opposed to just like sharing joy?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's bizarre. And it, I mm-hmm. mean, it comes down to like you know even like the greatest guitarist lists and stuff like oh that. oh like, my god don't even get me
1: started it's like <laughs> yeah know? why are we ranking them geez
0: yeah they don't even play the same stuff they don't even right, play some right, of them right, the, right. Same the same styles same like,
1: people from like 50 years ago like.
0: exactly like there's never been a better guitarist yeah no i get it you know it's it, but it is it is very um it is very interesting to watch kind of society catch up <laughs> you know mm, essentially for sure, for sure yeah that's um, what i think is
1: so cool like and that's what I love about the Washington, D.C. music scene is like I've been so fortunate locally to never really have that experience. Like everyone's so supportive and open to like different types of musicians and different types of players. And that, I think, because of my music scene is why I felt so comfortable and confident to kind of like express myself in these different ways.
0: Yeah. What, um, what, so when you started like playing Mm -hmm. out in that scene, what, what Mm -hmm. venues were you kind of, uh, frequenting?
1: Yeah. So the first venue I ever played in DC was Comet Ping Pong, which I I worked sound there for a few years. Um, and that's still my favorite venue. Like I'm playing our album release show there on September 23rd. Uh, let's see. I've played DC nine and, uh, Black Cat and some venues that don't exist anymore as it happens. Um, I did uh, a show at the DC Punk archive this summer and that was probably one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it was just so cool to like be part of like the DC Punk legacy.
0: Sure. Absolutely. I mean, storied history right there. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. What um so so how I, I I don't even know how to make I don't know how this, this leap goes, but how does this music then turn into pageantry all right
1: (laughs) that's funny that you're like i don't know how it relates let me tell you so
0: (laughs) it's not even that it doesn't relate it's just like it's just Uh a pivot you know it's just like
1: uh like yes and no so that's the funny thing is even since so i did a pageant at 18 and um i did it because like i've always been attracted to this like performative idea of glamour And also because uh, I did Miss America, and Miss America has a talent portion. And at the time, when I was 18, starting to play guitar, like there wasn't anywhere for me to perform. Like We didn't have any open mics. I had to start one at my college later on. Um, And I didn't really want to play in bars, and it was really hard to be taken seriously. So I really went to pageants. (laughs) And the first time I did it, I did not have a good time, and I left. But it stuck with me. So when I was planning out cinema hearts i thought well what if i take like the electric guitar this very masculine um history of an instrument and i combine it with like the most hyper feminine thing i know and to me that's miss america so like ever since the start like with cinema hearts it's always been like that kind of imagery like what if miss america played electric guitar um, and then I went back and did Miss America years later when I graduated college and I won a pageant and that was like insane. And I just became like addicted to it. And I tried so hard to become Miss Virginia, to become that Miss America who played electric guitar. Cause that was my big dream. I wanted to make it onto the TV portion and like make it to the finals where I could play electric guitar on TV. Like that was my goal. Um, and I got a close enough goal, which was like I was the first person to play electric guitar on the Miss Virginia stage. And like that story was so inspiring to people and has been featured in like different write-ups. And it was just so cool to be able to push myself in that way. That was like the biggest audience I ever performed in front of. Um, But like how it became the album, I, it was just like such a strange experience to me to be like in, I'd never felt like I fit in 100% into the music scene, nor 100% into the pageant world. Like I always kind of felt like I was like, floating between both and using like, all different facets to satisfy me. Like In the same way, like there's parts of theater that I absolutely love, there's parts of music I absolutely love, there's parts of teaching, whatever. It's like you can't be satisfied by it all. Um, and I came home from the first time I competed at Miss Virginia and I wrote the song, Your Ideal. And it, like, it just came to me instantly. And I also wrote the song Sister at the same time. Um, And then, like, as I kept kind of exploring that side of what did it mean to, like, perform as the perfect woman, like, all these other songs kind of came out. And it was just funny to me because I remembered thinking at the time, like, people in the DC punk scene are not going to think I'm cool anymore. They're going to think I'm a sellout. But it was, like, the complete opposite. Like, they thought it was the coolest thing. And they thought, like, they understood what it was about. Because, like, with Miss America, like, I had a platform, like, a community service platform of, like, empowering girls in music. And I was literally doing that because, like, if you're wearing a crown and sash, little girls come up to you thinking you're a princess. And you can kind of talk to them and talk to them about, like, these different issues of, like, self-esteem and body image. And, like, it's okay to be loud. It's okay to get angry. It's okay to want to, like, scream with your guitar. Because these are all things that girls are told that they can't do or they shouldn't do. And it's funny because even now, I'm like a few years removed from competing in pageants, but I still have those kind of talks with like different little girls that I teach. And it's been kind of remarkable that like the training I received as a pageant contender, like has now come useful as like a teacher and a mentor. Um, So it's been kind of interesting to now revisit that part of my life now that I'm much farther away from the mindset of like, I gotta go all in and win this title like it's been kind of neat to just explore like the fun parts of it i loved which was like the sparkle and the history and the kishiness
0: sure sure the um you know some of the material on the album Mm -hmm. kind of reflects of like like you 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 seem very um uh uh upbeat and and happy talking about pageantry but there's a Mm -hmm. bit of like loneliness and melancholy
1: oh absolutely songs
0: itself so so kind of Mm -hmm. what was working on this album kind of cathartic in kind Mm -hmm. of dealing with the that kind of duality
1: yes i mean and the reality is so like There's Miss America at the very top, but there's also like 51 state title holders who do things in their respective states for a year. So there's like a Miss District of Columbia, there's a Miss Pennsylvania, there's a Miss Virginia. And it was so interesting to me that like these women, when they're public facing, they are very joyful and excited and happy. But like if they're around like other women who understand the pageant world, they'll like let that guard down a little bit. And they'll kind of tell you like, yeah, I'm really tired or like, wow, I could use a soda right now or like, oh, I'm kind of tired of smiling. Like just these kind of things like the polish just kind of like wears off, like the veneer is gone. And that was like my favorite thing because it made me feel more normal. One of the biggest challenges for me, like as a pageant contender and as a woman was just like feeling pressured to be like pleasant all the time. And that's not sure. realistic for anybody, right? um and it does get lonely when you're doing that sort of thing because no one understands that world they don't understand why you're doing it they don't understand why you're putting yourself out there um like especially like the song mirror that song was mostly about thinking about like the long drives you go on and you're like is this gonna be worth it in the end is it worth it for me to drive all the way across the state to go meet this person at an appearance to go buy this gown like will i win in the end Or, you know, am I just like burning gas to like get to this finish line? Um, because like I remember when I was competing in pageants, like I would be like, go, 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 go. And then as soon as it was over, I would just feel like I'm going to collapse. And a lot, a lot of the contenders feel that way because it is very like athletic in that sense. Like I think there's a myth that like these women just kind of like show up for a day and then it's just like arbitrarily picked. But it's like, there's some women where they work years for this kind of thing. They work lifetimes, which is
0: no, like really absolutely. wild. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, uh, like, uh, you know, I, I feel like there's, you know, well, clearly people have written books about it and, you know, you, yeah. you, you, you were mentioned in, in yeah, in, you know, I'm in a book. In one. <laughs> um, but like, I, it, it seems like a world that's like ripe for like a, uh. Prestige Netflix show, you know, like I'm, wait- and not-
1: I'm waiting for it. We got the soundtrack
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, uh, well, you know, and uh, I will say that one thing I thought about as I was listening mm-hmm. to you know, now especially uh knowing, you know, your background and whatnot, but listening to your uh, ideal. Um, have you thought about doing like a rock opera or like a kind of?
1: Oh, that's fascinating. I have thought about it. Um, in the sense of like, so your ideal, I was thinking a lot about um Holiday by Green Day yeah in the terms of the production and i was like thinking like wow i would love to do something like green day like uh 21st century breakdown or american idiot where it's like like kind of like a song cycle um so maybe like i would yeah. be into it <laughs>
0: <laughs> because like you know you it, it's really funny because you you talk about you know having a toe in the theater world and a toe in the mm-hmm, music world mm-hmm. and a toe in the pageantry and mm-hmm. it all sounds like it's all leading towards either a stage show or or even like a film or like you know mm, a yeah. uh, you know a good um kind of like a. um uh uh like just uh continuation like video mm-hmm, to video mm-hmm, to video mm-hmm. kind of um
1: i thought about that too like i thought about doing like what beyonce did and having like a video for every song on the album and then uh when i was planning out the video for your ideal with my director mitchell worley i just realized like this is gonna be so big i'm not gonna be able to top it like i was like there's no way i can make anything better than what we're doing here and i also knew like the amount of work that was going into making that i was like "Mm, i don't know if i could do this like five times
0: right yeah yeah (laughs) if you think if you think uh pageantry is gonna burn yourself out like oh my god but
1: that was also like i think that video to me more so than the the songwriting or the production was the most cathartic thing in terms of like like literally shedding that like pageant self of mine (laughs)
0: Yeah, I, I can definitely, I can definitely see where that would happen. So, um, how did, uh, how did Bar-T Strange in, yeah. involvement uh, come into this?
1: He DM'd me on Instagram and he was like, "Hey, do you want to work on some songs together?" And I was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "I've got only five songs right now, but like, I think they're really special. I think we can do something with them." And I owe so much to Bartiz because he was the person that, like, believed in these songs. And I had sat on these songs for a long time. I just didn't really know who to work with. Um, I always had, like, complicated relationships with producers. Like, on my earlier demos, my brother was a co-producer with me. So we obviously had, like, a shared language and a shared way of thinking about music. Um, and it was very difficult for me to approach other producers and tell them the specifics I wanted. Yeah. Without like while out, while still like having their input, but it's like, I didn't want my track to just like sound like somebody else. Whereas like Bartiz, like he really pushed me to be more Caroline and to be more weird and to like be like unafraid of like showing these pageant songs. Cause I was terrified. I was like, who's gonna like this? Who's gonna relate to this? Like I knew deep in my heart, like it's an idea of like perfectionism, And that even though, like, Miss America is an ironically dated archetype, we know what it means. And that's always been fascinating to me that it's, like, become, like, this symbol. We know what that symbol is saying. And no one had really written about this before. Like, my main inspiration might have been, um, Miss World by Courtney Love by Hole. Sure. But even then, that was, like, not really about a lived experience doing this, whereas, like, mine was. And just, I love the guitar tones Bartiz put together. And he was the person that introduced me to analog synthesizers. Okay. So like, I really am into that now. And he just kind of taught me like how you can create something that feels beautiful while still like having tension to it. And how, like, what I thought was so cool is like every single part of my songs has like a hook every single like the drums are so specific and i worked with my drummer nicholas king we worked for months on like what we wanted the drum parts to be like the baseline there's nothing simple about it like every single instrument like shines and adds to it and that's what excites me so much
0: Definitely. Yeah. Nothing's wasted. Like there's right, no right, kind right. of, you know, fluff on top of it. Like yeah. it is, everything has an intention to it and behind mm-hmm. it. Um, so when, when he came in, you know, you talk about, you know, working with other producers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Did, did any of these songs change drastically from. Yeah,
1: actually sister, I was going to cut it. Cause it was initially like a guitar song and I just didn't know what to do with it. I was like, it's not working as a guitar song lyrically it's there, I don't know what to do with it. And so I just gave Bartiz free reign. I was like, you create, like we called it like the art track. I was like, you create what you think that this art track, this soundscape should be, and I'm just gonna go with it. And he made this really beautiful, kind of like growing, swelling sound. Um, And I think it's so funny that like, to a lot of listeners, like that's their favorite track on the album because it is so different. And so like weird, but also very honest, very vulnerable.
0: Definitely, definitely. Um, when do you, when did you guys start um the initial working on it? Was the did the, the pandemic do so anything? Long.
1: Like, yes. The pandemic definitely like hit it for me. Um, I mean, those songs, a lot of them were written in like 2017, 2018, which is like crazy to me to think about. But there's no way that if I had recorded it then. It would yeah. not sound as good as it like it did now because especially for me like i develop a lot of my songs through live performance um so i had been like gigging those songs especially your ideal i've been like that was in my set list for a long time um bartiz and i recorded in december of 2020 and then it took me a year to find someone to make the music video and then i yeah. finally like worked with uh, my director mitchell And we made that in December, 2021. And so now we're out here in August, 2022. And I have no regrets over how long it took. Um, and a lot of it was the pandemic. Like obviously there were delays. It was really hard to like get rehearsal space to be able to meet up with people and kind of figure things out because I knew like I couldn't just tell a drummer like, Hey, come into the studio and do whatever. Right. Like that can work, but I knew like for my, all of my songs, like I rely so heavily on different, like hooks in the drums. Um, and just the timing of finding like the perfect collaborators. Like I just knew I didn't want to settle and I didn't want to cut corners on who I worked with or what pieces were part of the project. Cause that was something I did in pageants. I constantly cut corners and I would try to shortcut my way into doing everything myself and it didn't work. And so it's just kind of funny that it was because of that experience I realized, okay, for my dream of making this album, I know I have to go like all out and I have to like do my research and pick the right person and like really be choosy about it. Because like, I mean, I am I know I'm re-recording some old songs, but it's like there aren't any redos. (laughs) I mean, there can be redos. Yeah, expensive. But like, I knew that like, not, I knew I couldn't trust anyone with this project. And I think especially because like odds are you're going to have men in the studio working on your project. And I had to make sure like they understood like what this was about. And yeah. I, I've just had the, the most compassionate collaborators who like got it and could relate it to their own experience. Like I thought it was really cool um, with Mitchell, my music video director, he used to do wrestling. And he was talking about how, like, they had to have their body, like, to be a certain way and to have a certain type of strength in order to win the competition. And I yeah. was like, oh, my God, that's, like, the same thing that happened to me when I had to do, like, swimsuit pageants. So it was just kind of cool that, like, people have taken a song that is so specific, this album that's so, like, niche to my personal experience, but they're able to make it about other issues that kind of are present in our world.
0: Yeah that's i mean like that's one of the the, the beautiful things i think about creation and creativity mm-hmm. is like when we, and i think that we feel alone in a lot of the um, issues that we deal with and the things that we deal with. Yes and, yes, and because we're so hyper-focused on the specific, we don't see the underlying through point that everyone is kind of experiencing mm. something similar, you know. it's uh, it, But um, it, it's really fascinating to be able, you know, it's actually one of the things they oddly just uh, say about podcasts is to do mm-hmm. a hyper-specific podcast about something and don't try to be broad. Try to focus on something and you'll find that more people will listen to it because of you know that kind of that w- what's at the core you know um, right right and 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 i think it i think it has to do with like passion and and understanding which you know i i feel like this album has a lot of you, you can definitely sense the passion in it and i and i think you're going to receive a lot of understanding from people listening to it oh, thank you i don't really know that there was a question there i
1: think <laughs> that's okay that was really nice because i think like one of my secret desires with the pageant songs was like, like no one in the pageant world talks about how difficult it is. And that was always very interesting to me. Like the contestants don't really open up and talk to each other about how they could be struggling or how hard something is. Cause they don't want to look like that. They're like not strong. Right. They don't want to look like they're not a winner. And I really wanted this record to be like, I love this, but this is literally the worst thing I've ever done. (laughs) Like, I love competing, but this is breaking me. (laughs) Sure. And just like, what does that mean? What does it mean when you love something so much it's literally hurting you?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and it's one of the fascinating things about this project is that, um, you know, there's, there's a vulnerability that you never get to, you don't get to see mm, yeah. vulnerability in pageantry because mm-hmm. vulnerability is flaw, essentially, you know, mm-hmm. so like it's kind of, it's, it's putting, a real personality behind something that is supposed to be an image that almost lacks personality with the exception of like the talent portion, you know, like the talent portion you do get to see, like it's, you you do get to see kind of the, but other than that, it's it's polished.
1: Yeah. Cause even, cause like, I would say like, you're supposed to have vulnerability to win, but it's always contrived. Sure. Like it's always rehearsed. And it's always like in this kind of politician way.
0: Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. um You know, uh, I had to fight the urge. I- I'm just gonna, mm-hmm, to- mm-hmm. I'm gonna say it now that I really wanted to open up this interview and ask you, when you look in a mirror, uh, what do you see? Uh, but I- you know what's funny? That
1: is a real question I was asked in a mock interview. So a mock interview is like when people pretend to be like the judges asking you questions. That was a real question I was asked, and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> and I lied in my answer. <laughs>
0: nice very nice because <laughs> i
1: was just it was so profound to me i was like whoa like i <laughs> but i can't be vulnerable right now because i'm trying to you know sure. keep the conversation going or whatever yeah when i look in the mirror um you know and this is really bad i sometimes feel a lot of shame really yeah 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 and i think that's very human oh um, definitely to feel that way but it's like uh so much of myself and my persona is built and that's also kind of like a secondary um theme on the album it's like i never believe like beauty or appearance is natural i believe it's like constructed and like what happens when you like deconstruct this idea of woman or and like you just want to be like disgusting you want to go goblin mode like you want to be slimed like (laughs) So like that's what I think. I'm working on it, but that's what I think when I look in the mirror.
0: <laughs> that's 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 absolutely wild. You know, it makes me think of, and I'm going back to mm-hmm. rock operas again. But yeah, but uh, Tommy, when Tommy shatters the mirror, and that's how he comes mm-hmm. out of mm-hmm. his deaf, mm-hmm. dumb, and blind thing. That's kind of it. Almost feels like what you're doing here is kind of smashing the mirror and and showing the the actual behind the scenes of of a person in right. a pageant. You know, like because right. uh, I
1: mean, it's like I think it's also like if you look in the mirror. You're not seeing yourself. You're seeing an image of the self, Because I think also our brains do this thing. It's like, wait, that's not me. That's not me. I'm here.
0: Right. Yeah, definitely. Like that's
1: definitely. not what I imagined. <laughs> and and it's
0: backwards. Like yeah, and it's yeah, in yeah. reverse. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah.
1: Like, yeah. Oh, so many I, metaphors. M- mirror is my favorite song.
0: So. <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah, it's, I mean it's heavy. You know, uh, one of the things that always confuses me is whenever I see a picture of myself because mm-hmm. uh, you know when I comb my hair, I'm parting it in the mirror, and then I see a picture. Uh, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's like on the, the opposite wrong side. side.
1: Yeah, that yeah. used to happen to me a lot. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's crazy. It m- almost makes me want to switch my part because I'm like, maybe, maybe this will make me feel like. Uh, 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 like what pres- you
1: think you're doing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of weird mirror talk right there. But uh but yeah. <laughs> but, um, Poetry. but yeah, so um how how so you know, th- like we've talked about, you know, the production on this um mm-hmm. on this album is so or the CP is so lush. How is it translating uh to live? Like have Yeah. You-
1: um so live, that's so interesting. Like, because I'm still figuring out how to do sister live. Like now that I'm seeing how popular that song is, I'm like, all right, I got to do it live. And I think I'm going to be doing it like with the instrumental tracks behind me. Um, just to keep it like simpler. That's Mm -hmm. like the downside sometimes to being like a smaller artist. It's like, it's not like I have the biggest production crew. It's not like I even have time to like soundcheck. So it's like, and because I worked in audio, like I understand how complicated that can be. So I try to streamline things as much as possible. That's why my band's been pretty like bare bones. Like, drummer bassist me on guitar as opposed to like having a synth and the backup vocals because it's like how are you gonna i have a hard enough time getting three people to rehearse like how am i gonna get a fourth i'm yeah. gonna fit in the same car um and then for harmonies i have like um a boss effects pedal that i've been using for years that like uh synthesizes harmonies in the same key so i just click it and if i sing into the mic then it like adds harmonies artificially so that's been kind of cool
0: very cool. Very yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, here's here's a weird follow up to uh, uh-huh. uh, Fender Factory. Yeah. Is is your Jaguar still a Mexican Jaguar, or have you gotten? I
1: think it's there? actually made in China. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> but that line came from yeah. So that tour guide was like, "Oh, you play a Jaguar? You should get one here, right off the line. Get an American made Struck. And I was like, uh, "I was my- just happy to be here. I play the I same. Know. I play the same instrument, though. I've tried other guitars. Like I've bought them and then returned them." Cause it just nothing matched, like nothing felt better to me in my hand. Yeah. And that, I think is so cool. Cause I love the idea of signature guitars.
0: Definitely. Definitely. That's how, that's how I play. I play a, a Telecaster. Okay. And, uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, um, and yeah, same thing. Like I, I've tried to pick up and by the way, I play a Mexican Telecaster. So, uh, any Fender guy can kiss yeah, my butt not <laughs> I don't
1: like getting a lead about it. Cause again, no. the gatekeeping, it keeps yeah. people out.
0: And, and, and it's so pointless. Like I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I know people who will tell me what the difference is and how the difference is in the sound. And I'm like, I, I don't know. It does what I need it to do. Like, right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. Right. It's like when you get picky, like what strings are you using? Yeah. What's the battery in your pedal? Like you can, yeah. you can get into the minutiae, but those are usually people who aren't gigging.
0: That's exactly you know. Right, yeah. And like,
1: sometimes you just have to like pick whatever cable is there and that works.
0: That's right. That's right. I 100% agree. Like I've never, it's never been my thing, and 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 that's not to besmirch anybody who that is their thing, but mm-hmm. it's just not, it's not for me, and 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 I refuse to let people make me feel bad about that. Right. <laughs> for sure. You know, um. So, um. You said you have the the show on the 23rd at uh Comet Ping Pong. Um. Mm-hmm. Are you are you go? Are you looking to tour on this or?
1: I would love to. I think it's a very difficult time for touring, like Definitely. with the pandemic and just like financially. So I'm open if any bands want to ask me to head on the road. Um, I have done small tours before, but for right now, we are playing our album release show at Comet Ping Pong on September 23rd, and my friends in the band Flowerbomb are opening, as well as the band Grady. It's like an all women lineup, and I'm really excited for it because, like, like you know, these songs have been a long time coming, and it's like finally we can celebrate with the songs out there
0: that's awesome that's awesome the um do you do do you Mm -hmm. um is do you find it easy to put together like i don't know if you put that together but to find all women lineups and stuff oh yeah
1: especially in dc it's like super easy i think the only hard thing is like a lot of bands tend to be very busy so they're like oh i had a show they're like oh we're we're playing the week before already because like i had to go down the line and it wasn't that people like weren't interested it's just like they were already booked for something
0: sure sure (laughs) No, that's cool though. I mean, like that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is that like the, the kind of representation, like it's, it's filling out, like it, it's mm-hmm. great. Like I, I love seeing it. Like, uh, it, you know, it's, uh, that's kind of my wheelhouse. Like I, uh, uh, I was a big, uh, I'm like a big Liz fair fan. And like, mm-hmm. so like, like female guitar players, like did it never, like, I, I think that's why I said I never really realized how, um, how, uh, there weren't that many uh, people to look up to that that, for for women because like i've always just kind of been drawn to both genderless music essentially just Mm -hmm. if it's essentially if it's got an indie rock guitar sound i'm in and Mm -hmm. you know and 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 i just never recognized it and i think that's a bit of privilege that i never had to recognize it but um but it's awesome seeing like just the growth and like the explosion and and like i keep saying the representation i nice. I, I, I stand for it hard I stand yeah, for i'm it
1: also kind of with you because it's like i i understand how radical it is just for me to like exist in this space but then at the same time it's just like i can't be caught up in that because then it's exhausting i'm just like oh i just i love being at shows like if i'm not yeah. playing a show i'm attending a show And if it's, like, I'm not playing with my band, I'm, like, hanging out with a friend's band or I'm listening to music. Like, it's just, like, my friends and I have been using the term, like, lifer lately. Like, we're lifers. (laughs)
0: Definitely. I love it. I love it. Well, at this time, would you like to go through the jauntlet? These are my special questions. Uh, The first section is one hit wonders, which I I will just explain because people seem to have a hang up about this. I'm not calling these people one hit wonders. It's just that they're like one answer questions. So so, uh, number one, Billy Joel or Elton John? You're a piano player. Do you have a a preference? Uh, I don't listen to either much, but I'm gonna
1: say Elton John.
0: Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh Debbie Harry or Joan Jett? Ah, this is tough. Uh,
1: I'm going to say Debbie Harry.
0: Yeah. 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 I'm really excited this for is, this. This is oh, tough. It is. Oh, very much so. I'm very excited for this this blondie box set that's coming out mm, with all yeah. of these unreleased demos and stuff. Everything I've heard from it is absolutely choice. I'm I'm very excited for that. Um next one, Aretha Franklin or Tina Turner?
1: This one's also tough. Um I'm gonna say Tina.
0: Okay. Yeah. All Especially right.
1: For like the costumes and like "River Deep, Mountain High" is like
0: yes. First time I
1: heard it, like hit me.
0: <laughs> All right, I love it. I love it. Uh, next one, Nirvana or Pearl Jam? Nirvana. Yeah, I, I could mm-hmm. kind of sense that. I, yeah, I, your
1: ideal was very inspired by um, Lithium.
0: Yeah, I can see. Oh, I can definitely see that. That absolutely tracks. That absolutely tracks. Uh, Janis Joplin or Stevie Nicks?
1: You like really pick the hardest things. Ah. Oh. <laughs> You know, I'm going to go with Janice because I love her rendition of the song. Maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. That
0: that is an awesome pull. Yes. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Uh, The big one, the Beatles or the Stones? Beatles. Yeah. I figured. (laughs) Uh -uh, I I kind of feel like I can figure this one too, but the final one, Bohemian Rhapsody or Stairway to Heaven?
1: I'm going to say Bohemian Rhapsody.
0: I thought so. It's the theatrics. It's the the, theatrics.
1: And like, It is overdone. I'm teaching a student that song right now on piano. So I've had to revisit it every week for months. And I'm just like, wow, like I don't really get tired of this. (laughs)
0: that's it's so true like anytime it comes on i'm never skipping like i'm listening to the end like Mm -hmm, (laughs) and mm -hmm. and singing and probably singing along at the top of my lungs right Uh, every part (laughs) yeah exactly exactly uh the next section is the top 10 countdown um as i uh kind of said in the email i sent uh john Mm -hmm. can be whatever you want it to be any kind of person place thing idea (laughs) any anything uh but number one what was your first john what was the first thing you were obsessed with when you were younger
1: first john ah Cheese probably like
0: playing with legos like imagination <laughs> i love it i love it um oh, one of the uh one of our earlier guests his uh current john was legos and he's become oh. like a uh, ridiculous star wars lego builder like uh he's still yeah, to this I day always, so, i've done so that he's, he's he's one of my best friends he's also mm-hmm. the drummer in all of the music projects i do but he's always sending me pictures of the the latest build uh, the, <laughs> the legos legos go hard uh, on the yo that's my john show uh number two what's your current John, what are you into right now
1: Mm. ah uh, you know i'm still into miss america <laughs> uh, yeah i like this is how i celebrated your ideal i bought a 1953 miss america trophy on ebay
0: wow like 100
1: bucks so not that expensive in terms of like the memorabilia circuit right yeah but i've been eyeing this thing and i was like you know what i want it <laughs>
0: I love that. I love that. Treat yourself, treat yourself. Right?
1: So I have that like on my mantle.
0: that's so awesome here's Here's a question. Uh, yeah. do, do you can you watch a pageant as just a a person watching it, or are you kind of deconstructing the game? Thing? No,
1: it I hate it, yeah, in the same way, like sometimes I hate watching concerts because I'm not on stage. I, have that I hate same thing right. Yeah. I hate watching pageants because I'm not on stage. And also I hate it because at least on a TV level, usually they just like mess around with how the competition should go. Like they'll try and do like little gimmicks for like non-pageant fans and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And they like piss off the pageant. The whole, I can go on for another hour about the logistics like of that.
0: I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's great. Um, number three, what was your first concert? What was the first live show here? For
1: uh I mean with my family, it was probably like Peter Gabriel or something, but like wow. on my own as an adult, um, I saw King Tough at Black Cat with Jacuzzi Boys, and that was like a really fun time.
0: Those are two perfect bona fides, I Right. Like it. I King like Tough
1: was like big early inspiration for me. And he was so nice. I met him at that show.
0: Oh, very cool. Very yeah. cool. Uh, number four, what was the last concert you went to?
1: Last concert I went to. Um I, so I went to, like, a doubleheader on Saturday. Uh, one of my students was singing with a cover band um, at Union Stage in D.C. And then, like, right next door. So there's this, like, strip in D.C. called The War, where it's, like, we have, like, four different concert venues, like, right next door. So it's kind of cool. So I, like, walk next door, and my friends in the band Flower Bomb, who I'm playing my record release show with, were playing at Pearl Street Warehouse. And I was like, let me just buy a ticket to both shows, and I'm just going to bounce back and forth.
0: That's cool, which I've
1: never done before. Like, because usually they're not venues aren't next door to each other. So that was kind yeah. of fun.
0: I want a venue hop. That's like, that right? Like Wouldn't a, that be cool? Oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. That's that. See, I mean, like, I've never been, but I hear that that's what uh, Nashville's like. Because- I was
1: gonna say it kind of feels like Nashville. Except like, I guess that's more like bar venue scene. Yeah. Whereas, like These were like more like it's a venue.
0: Okay. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. I gotta, I gotta uh, look at uh, some of their dates and see if there's anything I want to <laughs> take the trip and, 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 and uh, venue hop. That's, it just seems so cool. It seems like a perfect evening to me. Yeah. Um, number five, what was your favorite concert?
1: Favorite concert? Um, Probably when I saw Washed Out at 930 Club. And this yeah. was, I think, after their Paracosm tour. And I just remember, like, it was just so beautiful to, like, hear those songs live and with, like, the lights and everything. And I, like, met friends, like, new people who became my friends, like, at that show. Oh, that's It's one awesome. of my favorite memories.
0: I love it. I love it. Uh, number six, who have you never seen live that you wish you would have? They can be living or dead.
1: One Direction. Yeah? I wish I saw One Direction live. And I had the chance once and it didn't happen.
0: Oh man. The um uh are you into the uh solo Harry stuff?
1: Um, I'm into it. I'm into it. But you know, it doesn't hit me in the same way that like the one direction like boy band stuff.
0: Yeah, is. it doesn't have that arena feel. It doesn't like like Right. And th- it's just th- like
1: the declarations. Yeah, like, obviously Harry he's in his artist phase now, you know. He's like mm-hmm. sorrowful and he's an adult. But like some days I just wanna like like, I want that sugariness of just, like, <laughs> the craziness of young love or whatever.
0: Sure. Sure. It's, it's pop perfection. Like, right, that's, that's right. where it's at. It's, it's great. Uh, number seven, name an unappreciated John. Something you wish had more attention to it.
1: Mm, uh, I don't want to say Miss America again, because, like, I also don't believe that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Uh, underappreciated, you know, I'm an auto harp player now. That was like my pandemic project. Yeah. Uh, so I think just like folk instruments, folk instruments don't get a lot of love and like, like beyond that scene. And I think there's some potential there.
0: Okay. I like it. The, the, the auto harp was like, uh, my favorite thing in like elementary music class. Like I just was always fascinated by it.
1: Right. It's so cool to me.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. I love it. Great answer. Uh, number eight, what's, what's your favorite album?
1: Oh, favorite album. I'm going to say, um, weirdo shrine by La Luz. That's their second album. And I've never gotten tired of that record. Like I've probably played it at least once a week while driving in my car. (laughs)
0: oh that's great that's great that's that's exactly like the 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 fact that you can listen to it and not get tired of it like Mm -hmm. that's that's the signifier right there that's Mm -hmm. when you find something like that that's that's the best the absolute best uh number nine name an artist whose output you'll consume anything they put out uh even if you have to be apologetic for it
1: Mm. probably mitski yeah
0: yeah Yeah. fantastic stuff just fantastic Uh, i love her I've only been digging in recently, but like, oh my God, like just, you know, what beautiful songwriting. Right. Because that's the thing,
1: like she just crafts like such gems. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I don't think she's a person that has like a lot of like B-sides she would put out because she seems very like curated, but like should the day happen, I'm here.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Great answer. Uh, Number 10, uh, what is your favorite John of all time? Again, it can be anything you want it to be.
1: Mmm, um, Jeez, I'm gonna say like favorite pastime of all time, cause I've kind of realized lately like how much I just love hanging out with my friends. Yeah. Which is like, that sounds so simple, right? But I think after we had this like, you know, collectively traumatic period of being alone or being stuck, and then I just kind of realized like even Like, when I do something very challenging, like for me, putting out this album was very scary and vulnerable for me. But it's like my friends have been there since the start. They've been with me since I wrote these songs. And it's like, we're all doing this together. And we all can like celebrate together and hang out and they've been so supportive so that's i think my favorite john of all time
0: i love it you know yeah i mean it's so true like to me like i think the greatest tragedy besides you know the all of the loss of life and stuff like that but the greatest tragedy Tragedy of the pandemic to me was just the time stolen um, Mm, from friends, from friends and family, and just being able to be with the people you love. Like it's just, I mean, like that's literally why this podcast exists, is because Mm, uh, was me reaching out to like my musician friends who I didn't get to see anymore, you know, because we were all locked down, and and just talking to them about their music and their life, and and I've I've learned like just this kind of discussion in this kind of um, space has allowed. Allowed me the opportunity to even get to know them better and to you know you know like i know them from shows and i know them from their music but like to actually hear where all of that comes from um is is unbelievable and like that's you know uh, like i said one of the reasons i was very excited to talk to you is to know like like this album is incredible and to know yeah. just everything like this is like a culmination of your life. Like this is—it
1: kind like, of is. That's why it's so wild.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like uh, it's really incredible that not just um did you kind of create something like this, but you did it successfully. Oh, thank um, you. So kudos and thank, thank you for that.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So if anybody listening to this would like to find more about mm-hmm. you um, on the internet, what's the best way to track you down?
1: Yeah, well, you can listen to Cinema Hearts and my new EP, Your Ideal, on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, and wherever you like to listen to music. I have a very wonderful music video on YouTube uh, for the title track, Your Ideal. And if you want to follow with like the everyday happenings of Cinema Hearts, or you want to listen to these like acoustic clips, or you want to see live clips, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Cinema Hearts.
0: Awesome, very awesome! And all of those links will be included in the uh, show notes and whatnot, folks. So you know you can click through and, and check all of that out. Um, Caroline, thank you so much for doing this today thank and you joining so much me for here. Having me. This is a great, um, John. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, uh, anything else you'd like to impart on these uh, fine folks listening?
1: Um, Thank you so much for just taking the time to like, you know, whether you're here for the start of Cinemars or you've been here a long time, I'm so happy we get to like share these stories together.
0: My thanks again to Caroline for joining me on the show today. Cinema Hearts will be performing their album release show at Comet Ping Pong in Washington, D.C. on September 23rd at 10 p.m. You can find that latest release, Your Ideal, wherever music is streaming. Or you can get it straight from the source and or purchase it on real, honest-to-goodness physical media in the form of CD or vinyl at cinemahearts.bandcamp.com. Be sure to visit www.cinemaharts.com for links to all of Caroline's socials, upcoming dates, videos, and all that kinds of good stuff. Links to all of those are attached in the show notes. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to like and subscribe to the Yo That's My John podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. And guys, it's not too late to get yourself a super awesome John Scout merit badge for citizenship of the world just by rating and reviewing us. Don't forget to visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com for articles, merchandise, and links to all of the previous episodes of this very podcast. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to get all of the updates delivered straight to your inbox. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yo, that's my John for updates and live streams. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at yo, that's my John and search yo, that's my John on YouTube to find the yo, that's my John YouTube channel. Like, and subscribe the heck out of that ish. We want to hear from you. Reach out, reach out and touch some John guys. I think we're going to have another episode next week. Summer has me all messed up, so I hope this isn't too confusing for you all. And if it is, I apologize. Just know that if you were signed up to the mailing list, all of this information would be provided to you in the form of an email. Doesn't that sound divine? Well, there's only one way to find out just how divine that is. Sign on up for that, John! All right guys, TTFN, blue skies. Until next time everybody. Hey yo, displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure. Your taste in music doesn't have to be Yo, that's my John is a lonely monk production written and produced by yours truly Nate Runkle. Theme song by Phil Tyler Music featuring Nate 3.0. Special thanks to Fox Run Brands, DX Ferris, Andrew Scott. Natalie Runkle, and the incredibly brilliant and wickedly stunning Katie Daubney. If you or anyone you know has any ideas they would like to share or any guests they would like to hear on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at yo, that's my John, at gmail.com. Or you can leave an audio message for us and possibly hear yourself on a future episode by visiting anchor.fm slash ytmj slash message. Until next time, be sure to displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure and shout to the world, yo, that's my John.